Hi, Sophia, and welcome to the podcast. I'm so pumped that you're here. But then, of course, the funniest part is that your name is Sophia, and I'm Sophia. So <laughs> we're going to be going back and forth. Hey, Sophia, and who will know who we're talking to? And our podcast audience will figure it out as well. So, Thank you. oh, you're so Sophia. welcome. <laughs> All right. So I know that you were a coach, but tell me a little bit more about you and what you're coaching and who you're coaching. Yes. So I have a background in corporate human resources. And during the pandemic, I decided I wanted to design a new chapter in my life. I became a full-time student and um, today I'm a certified, I'm an ICF certified life coach and uh, retreat leader. My focus has been um, on expat life coaching, helping, I call it helping fellow explorers navigate uh, the cycle of expat life. Um, it has to do with adapting, integrating, and repatriating if that is something that they are doing. And this is also how my retreats were born um, as part of the process. Uh, the theme is getting curious, exploring, learning, and discovering if living in a different country is something uh, you want to do. Mm. And I'm actually having um, a retreat along those lines, that theme in September of 23 in Portugal. Oh, okay. So that is kind of how this came about. Um, I The expat thing came up for me because I am somebody who has is a product of two cultures. I was born in New York, but I was raised on a small island in Greece, Mykonos. Everybody knows it now. Nobody knew it then. <laughs> <laughs> Without electricity, um, with a donkey being our main uh, method of transportation from town to the countryside. But, you know, my parents weren't Greek, so I really, I grew up learning the challenges of living in two worlds. Mm. Um, it's something that followed me in my professional career and certainly in my personal life. I have a very good understanding of how challenging all of that is. And I wanted to share that um, with people who are in similar uh, situations. And, you know, I think nowadays with the, um, the nomad um, visas becoming more available and people just moving around more freely. A lot of people wanting to leave this country. Um, it's something that's uh, very timely. Well, that's pretty interesting that you said you grew up in Greece. So when you left Greece, were you still young or were you an adult when you left Greece? I was an adult. I was 32 years old and I had a three-year-old daughter. So we uh, moved to the States together. We lived in, I lived in Arizona for a year. Um, then I lived in Florida for a few years. And then I finally moved to California and decided that that was going to be home. Wow. So is that considered a repatriation when you move back here? Or is that like a little bit different? It's, I would call it a little bit different only because um, I didn't live here. I mm. spent a lot of time here throughout the years, but I didn't really live here. Um, but 
the challenges that you face when you go back and forth between cultures are, you know, whether you are living there or going back, um, they're similar. Okay. So what made you decide, okay, I've been in Greece all this time. Now I want to move to the States. What, what was the precipitating factor there? Well, my family had moved back um, to the States. I was in the process of getting divorced and um, it felt like the right move. And you said you've been happy in California. Yes, I love California. <laughs> I, you know, the first time I I, I landed uh, in San Francisco, it, it was at night and I could see all the the lights on the different hills. And I thought, oh, this is kind of reminiscent of Europe in a way. And I haven't even seen it in daylight yet. Um, and I mean, who doesn't love San Francisco? So, <laughs> <laughs> so did you find that the culture shock was like a real thing for you? And like, how long did it take you to adjust? Culture shock was big. Um, I actually had somewhat of a British accent when I'm, I moved uh, back to the States and I felt like an outsider. I felt an outsider growing up because my parents weren't Greek. I was blonde with blue eyes, long blonde hair and, you know, surrounded by people with that beautiful olive Mediterranean skin and dark eyes. Um, And the culture shock was similar when I moved to the States because of how I sounded. Mm. Um, because of all the things I wasn't aware of, the cultural things. Um, I remember trivia was something that I was absolutely clueless about, you know, people talking about shows they'd been reading, uh, watching, or books they'd been reading, or events. It was all foreign to me. So it was difficult, it was lonely, and it was, you know, becoming a life coach and focusing on that, it's something that I wanted to help people Um, kind of go within and find the strength to be who they are and feel okay about being who they are instead of trying to be uh, similar to everybody else because sometimes we feel that that's the only way we can fit in right right and integrate is we have to match our surroundings and um, that's really not true so helping people identify that and grow the muscle of you know, independence and being okay with that, um, figuring out what their values are, are and what's important to them is, is, yeah, it's important. So what are some of the ways that you take your clients through this type of a transition, whether it's coming back or going to another country and having to actually learn a new culture? How do you take them through um, that whole, okay, this is so foreign to me. Now I have to try and fit in. How do I just be me and Mm -hmm. be here? (laughs) Well, I think it's a combination of things. First of all, it's, it's being really clear on what your values are, uh, what's important to you. Um, I don't believe in painting a glorified picture. It's very challenging. Um, it's, it's lonely, but there are, ways of figuring out what is it that you want? What is it that you're interested in? What kind of support do you need? Um, What kind of resources do you have? And, you know, kind of creating that availability and helping the client see the possibility of Mm -hmm. actually being able to be happy there. I think 
when we let when if you're somebody who loves to travel it's easy to get excited and lost in that fantasy of oh i'm going to go have a wonderful life somewhere else right and it's it's not that you can't but it's that it that comes with a lot of challenges um and it can be lonely um there's missing home all of a sudden you know mm-hmm. oh, what am i missing what's going on at home um being surrounded by people who have their families and you don't. Um, and it's the same and, you know, that's your personal life. And then there's also the, the work environment. Um, that's an entirely different way of being and behaving and social and cultural norms are different um, in the business scene as well. Right. So is there, um, okay, so I have two questions percolating. <laughs> so do you coach the people before they leave or do you coach them when they get there so I have a process called the four buckets um and those are um one where we kind of identify what where you are in your process um if you're just curious about what life will be like in living in a different country we have I'll, I'll tell you a little bit about that. Um, if you're in planning, I am planning um, is another chapter or bucket. I am here is when you are actually in that country and I am repatriating when you're coming back. So, you know, if if you're curious, we go through some exercises trying to identify what your ideal life or ideal day would be like. Um, mm. What are some things that are important to you? Um, and we, we create a space where you can examine what is what it is that you really want under all the noise and the distractions around you. I help the client get clear on the direction they want to move towards. And we talk about what kind of support would be available as well as what, you know, the next, uh, the other chapters would be. If I'm working with somebody who is planning, um, has moved, has decided and is in the planning phases, then we would work on um, what does adapting and integrating look like? Because a client can have frequently have an idea of what this is going to be like mm-hmm. based on what they want it to be like, right? right. Um, we talk about um, how to adjust to language, culture, making new friends. And very important also is how does one tackle the unknown? How does right. one become part of a community? So we work on two fronts. One is helping uh, the client honor their process and the feelings that they're having, whatever those may be. They Mm -hmm. can be joy, they can be fear, they can be anxiety. It's it's all part of the picture, I believe. And we work on coping strategies. You know, what, what, what kind of coping strategy would you need if this is what you are experiencing? I am here is when you are actually in your new location and you are most likely having an ambiguous experience because part of you is really um, disoriented. Mm-hmm. It's a brand new life. The language is different. The cultural barriers are showing up all of a sudden. Um, there's feelings of inadequacy that might come up, um, frustration, and also a sense of not belonging, which is something I understand really well, not having roots all of a sudden, and all of this can be overwhelming. So in that, 
environment, we work together on creating um, a structure mm-hmm. with specific steps and resources to help you kind of, you know, find your niche and become brave, and be, be willing to be vulnerable. Right. Yeah, that's a big one. Yeah, being vulnerable is big. Um, so it's, it's, and it's also about curiosity. I'm a big, big fan of curiosity because when we are approaching everything from that, with that lens, mm-hmm. there's so much opportunity. That's true. I, I have to agree with that because as someone who loves to travel, everywhere I go, I go with curiosity. Yes. You know, it's like, well, what's, you know, what's next? What's this going to look like? You know, what's this food going to taste like? What's this, you know, how is this going to be different from that home? And just on and on. (laughs) So there's really so much. But one of the things that I like to do when I'm going somewhere is I try to learn a few basic phrases in whatever the language is. And then I try to have enough courage to use the basic phrases that I've learned, you know, before I get there. But is that something that you suggest when somebody's uh, going to another country is actually to try and learn the language before they get there? Or is it just one of those things that because you're there and you're getting immersed in it, you figure that, you know, they'll learn it on this, like, not on the spot, but you know what I mean? Learning a language isn't easy. Um, I taught Greek for many, many years, and I will, I'm here to tell you that Greek is the most difficult language, I think, (laughs) and I speak it fluently. Um, So learning a language is, is difficult. um, But I do suggest that people try and know some basic things. Um, Nowadays, there's so many platforms and apps that really make it so much easier than it was 10 or 15 years ago. Right. Um, You know, my clients that are um, going on the retreat with me are going to have an opportunity between now and then when we leave to have some uh, lessons in in, uh, Portuguese, just so that you've, you know, it gives you a different sense of uh, freedom if you, even if you just know the basics. Right. um, when you're visiting a foreign country, they, you know, the locals appreciate the effort you're making. There's, you know, there's this this um, notion that Americans don't want to learn a foreign language because everybody speaks English. So if you're a tourist in a foreign country and you are making an effort, it is so appreciated. And it really, you know, the locals feel that you are, you you get it and you're trying to meet them you know, in their space. Right. Figuratively speaking, yeah. I remember when I went to Brazil, I was in Rio and there was this one night where I was around people and nobody spoke English. And my Brazilian Portuguese, I wouldn't even really call it that I have Brazilian Portuguese. (laughs) I have a few words, so you just call it remedial. And I couldn't speak to anybody. So mm-hmm. for a day and a half, I actually could not speak to anyone. Even when I called down to the front desk, they knew what room it was. They know I don't speak Portuguese. <laughs> and the person who answered the phone only spoke, spoke Portuguese. And But the thing is, I mean, 
I did manage to be able to communicate my needs, mm-hmm. which was good, right? But I just realized I'm like, I haven't spoken to anybody in a day and a half. Mm-hmm. And it's different when you choose not to speak to anybody for a day and a half versus when you cannot speak to anybody. And that really hit me. And I think that was the day, I, for, I forget where I was going that day, but I heard these two people speaking English. I'm like, oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> and I like bolted over there. I'm like, I'm really sorry that I can interrupt your conversation, but I haven't spoken to anybody. <laughs> 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 two guys, they just looked at me and started laughing. <laughs> Because they'd been traveling together, so they had each other, but they totally understood where you know where I was coming from. I kind of have that experience when I'm you know here in in California in the Bay Area. Whenever I hear people speaking Greek, you know I don't know them, but if I hear somebody speaking Greek, I walk straight up to them and I just start talking to them in Greek because it's it's just that natural pull. You know, you want to they're your tribe they're part of your tribe and you want to connect with them yeah and and just the whole idea of how important communication is Mm -hmm. you know so now like even through COVID for a lot of people not being able to see people and communicate with people was so difficult so just you know times that by 10 when you're in a whole other country where you really don't know people and you can't speak the language and you're just, you know, on a hope and a prayer that you meet somebody who actually speaks whatever language it is that you do speak so that very you lonely. can have some form of communication. It's very lonely. Yeah. So that's, I mean, it's really cool that people that you've decided to help people in that realm, but when you're in that space, it's like, how do they find you? The clients that have found you, how do they find you? Do they just think, hmm, let me look up coach who does? <laughs> <laughs> well, there's a lot of marketing involved, a lot of social media. I mean, you know, you have to get the word out. You have to be involved in communities that where, you know, uh, bicultural people would go to and you have to get the word out. Yeah. I, I have a few clients in Greece. It's, it's word of mouth is always the best way. Okay. Yeah, because that's interesting. I, I'm sitting here as we're having this conversation and, and just thinking about it. I'm like, well, if I was going to move to another country, would I even have thought? Would there, that have been a thought in my head? Let me find a coach who can help me work through this. So that's really cool that, you know, you're getting the word out there and people are learning about you. And on that note, maybe you can tell us where we can find you. Well, um, I will give you my website. My company name is Arche Life Coaching, and that is spelled A-R-C-H-E. Arche is a Greek word that means beginning. Mm. So it, it's it's about new beginnings. So ArcheLifeCoaching.com uh, is my website. Okay. And I'm also on Instagram. And I will be launching a Facebook group very soon. Um, one can sign up for my newsletter, um, on my website. Okay. I am, um, there's a wonderful 
PDF that I am uh, offering as my opt-in freebie because everybody loves freebies. <laughs> <laughs> um, and it's uh, the 10 top things to examine um, as you consider moving to Portugal. Um, I don't know if you know that Portugal is the number one country that Americans moving, looking to move to Europe are looking at. Um, mm. There's, yeah, there's a, there's a tremendous high amount of expats there, but anyway, I, that, that is one of the reasons I chose Portugal um, as my first retreat. So this, this, um, this uh, little PDF will give everybody 10 things to think about. Um, and I will just mention a couple. Um, one is knowing your why, mm -hmm. you know, what, what, at the end of the day, what is this really all about? And also, you know, what to do with all your feelings. And I don't know if you remember that poster we used to see when we were kids that, you know, it was just like all these faces and it said, all feelings are okay. It's what you do with them that matters. Right. So yeah. So those are just a couple of uh, goodies in that PDF. But yeah, those are some of the ways to reach me. Well, that's pretty cool. So you said you had a retreat coming up. Tell us a little bit about the retreat and what you're going to be doing on it. Yes. So um, it's in Portugal. It is uh, September 16th through the 27th. And the way I position it is, you know, if you're an adventurous and inquiring soul who's been wondering about living in Portugal, um, you can join us on this delightful exploration where you'll quiet your mind, get clear on your needs and values and determine if Portugal is the dream for you. So it's about, I, I know this because I experienced this. I'm always dreaming about living somewhere else. I have one foot in the States, one foot in Greece, because that's where I grew up. And then I have this third imaginary foot that's just <laughs> somewhere on the planet. Like, where am I going to go next? So this retreat is an opportunity for people to quiet their minds. Um, you know, we always have ideas about things we want to do. And then there's this voice that says, no, you can't do that. Um, so, and that's related to our fears. So what I'm promising people will come back with is clarity. I'm not saying that, you know, going on this retreat means you're moving to Portugal, but you'll have a much better idea. It's a, it's a, uh, 11 days of full cultural immersion. Um, we're going to visit four uh, big cities with side trips. Mm -hmm. uh, going to have, you know, vetted speakers come and talk about um, some of the basic legalities and important information that one needs to know. Um, there's going to be dinners with expats who are already living there um, mm -hmm. who will talk about the good, the bad, and the ugly, because as I said, it's not all, you know, it's not all perfect. So we're going to explore the food, the culture, the history. There's so much history in, in Portugal. There's going to be a lot of connecting with fellow travelers before our trip. There's going to be an opportunity to tap into your curiosity and really let go of all the noise and take a dive in. Um, and we're going to explore, as I said, the cities, a lot of livable cities. Um, we're going to be interacting with locals. Uh, we're going to have our own tour uh, guide the entire time. And um, it's a small group. It's only 15 people. We will travel through the country in our, Portugal's a very small country. So we will be traveling in our own little mini bus. Um, so there's a great opportunity for bonding there. 
so things will become more clear and people will have a better idea if this is something that, you know, they want to pursue doing, uh, they want to pursue exploring. So um, do you notice that the people who are wanting to do this are young nomads or are they looking for somewhere to retire or are there, are, or are they currently working and then would be seeking employment in Portugal? Yeah. So my, um, that's a great question because you can't talk to everybody, right? right? You have to talk to a specific group. So the group that I'm talking to is people who are thinking about retiring, um, in the process of retiring. Um, so I would say, I mean, my youngest client is 48 years old and they are thinking about, well, okay, so in 10 years from now, I might want to be moving, you know, I want to start my research now. Mm -hmm. So others, you know, in their fifties, so I would say anywhere, anywhere between, you know, late forties to early sixties, that's my, my ideal, um, my ideal client. Um, there's a lot of digital nomads and there's a lot of families moving around, but that's not my, um, my client. Okay. And then another question that just popped into my head was about the visa process. So do you help with the visa process or do you have connections that can help people with the visa process? Let's say they want to move to Portugal. I have connections and resources available. Um, I, I, have educated myself to know what the basic requirements are, but I do not claim to be a Portuguese tax expert. <laughs> <laughs> so um, I have resources and there's a lot, there are more and more resources available because there are so many people moving to Portugal. Um, you know, there's relocation companies that will handle um, everything from your visa to your bank accounts to helping you rent property, buy property, actually pack up your stuff and move you there. So there's there's a very uh, it's very well organized. Okay, so all the seriously, all these questions just keep showing up. So I know there are certain countries that you can buy a home, but the land is leased, so you don't own it. Is mm -hmm. Portugal one of those places or when you buy, you buy the land, you get that, you buy the house, everything is like yours. It's yours. Okay. Cause I, I think that's kind of, that's important because if you do have family or something and you do want to pass it on, you can, mm -hmm. but in these other places, you know, your land leases X amount of years. And then yeah. after that, it's like, well, we're taking it back. <laughs> I'm sure there's complicated inheritance tax laws and such, but um, as I said, I am not a. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I realize that's not your lane, but the question just popped into my head just because I do know that you know there are countries where you can't own the land; mm -hmm. you can you can borrow it, so to speak. <laughs> you rent it, <laughs> right? It's it's for lease, and then when your lease is up, then you know. I guess you renegotiate or you're dead one or the other. Dead, <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't matter. Right? So when we spoke before we decided to do this whole interview thing, you told me this really cool story about how your parents met. So if you wouldn't mind, could you tell the story? Because this is really about for people who are traveling, people who are going through transformations and I mean, moving to another country, you're going to go through some personal transformation. 
very much so. But tell us how your parents met, because I thought that was like the coolest story. <laughs> very romantic story indeed. Um, it was in the 50s. Um, my father was an Irish merchant marine, and my mother originally grew up in New England, but she had spent a few years living in Europe and in uh, Italy and the UK and Paris. And they met on, I don't remember if it was the Queen Mary or the Queen Elizabeth, but they were crossing the Atlantic Ocean. And back in the day, that took a very long time. (laughs) (laughs) I think it took six weeks. So they, my mother was traveling with a friend of hers and uh, my father was heading back. Um, They were, they were heading to Europe. he was heading back to uh, Italy and he was going to go back to work eventually. And they met on board. I guess they started to like each other. And then they decided to travel around Greece together um, when they disembarked. And so they traveled around Greece and fell in love. And uh, part of their journey was included the island of Mykonos. Mm. is very famous today but back then was not a beautiful little island with you know white buildings and uh, the main um, work there was fishing there was there were the fishermen in town and then there were some uh, farmers out in the countryside and um, then my mother came back the following winter and uh, she spent a whole winter there with um living with this woman who eventually became my godmother, but she was the only person who spoke English on the island. Mm. And she learned how to weave. And I guess at that point they had decided that, you know, this was it for them. Um, And they moved back to, they went back to New York. They got married. Um, I was born the following year and they, uh, we lived in Manhattan um, and they, wanted to move to Mykonos and somehow they were put in touch with this guy who wanted to move to Manhattan and they just swapped keys. Oh, wow. (laughs) They swapped keys. And, you know, in a few months, my mother and I were back on the ocean uh, liner crossing the Atlantic um, going to Mykonos. Wow. So yeah, that is so romantic. So anybody who's listening, who is looking for love, (laughs) Travel might be the way to go. <laughs> you don't know who you're going to meet. And then the level of adventure yes. that your parents had, it's like, okay, we're going to go there. Let's just switch places. <laughs> it sounds it sounds like the making of a really cool movie. <laughs> yes. So is there anything else that you'd like the audience to know? Nothing comes to the top of my mind. Keep traveling. It's the best thing you can possibly do. It will enrich your life. You will meet so many new people. But one of the things that's really important to me about travel is it's always a humbling experience when you get to see more parts of the world. Yes. You know, your point of view and the lens with which you see the world shifts and it's, it broadens your horizons and it's, it's a gift to be able to travel and, you know that. <laughs> well, yes, and I couldn't agree with you more. I mean, once you start seeing things through the lens of curiosity and just realizing how much more the same we are than different, then it it just opens up a whole lot more 
um, possibilities. Well, I just really want to thank you for sharing time with us. And I would love to talk to you again after you get back from your retreat so you can tell us how that went. (laughs) Thank you, Cynthia. I love being on your podcast and um, I will definitely love to talk with you again and share the experience. Okay, Sophia. (laughs) (laughs) All right. I will speak with you later. Thank you again for being here. Thank you so much.